Great, so we're going to begin, and uh, this is Rosh, if you don't know Rosh, good guy, always like hearing him teach. Um, so we're in this series on prayer, and we've been uh, looking at this for the last few months, and uh, uh, last, our last talk in this series and this one are both kind of a, a learning a bit from church history, which is something we don't do so well in, in our kind of churches. We tend, we don't tend to look at church history much. But, um, so Rich is going to share, uh, Rosh is going to share a bit from his, um, his church history and then take us into, into the gospels as well. So, I'm going to pray. Just want to thank you, Lord, for Rosh and, uh, your work in his life. And we pray that as he speaks to us now, uh, that you, you feed us. Um, just thinking about when uh, we see times in the gospel, in, in the Bible when people's eyes were opened to see things clearly and their ears were sort of opened to hear clearly and we want to have that same experience of being in the Bible and learning today. So we pray that you open our ears, open our eyes. We want to learn from you. Amen. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, so my name is Rosh. Um, I've been part of this church for a few years now. What I'm hoping to talk to you about today is just try and give a brief history of the church that I grew up in, back in India, so not in the UK, back in India. And I don't want it to be just a history lesson, yeah? So I, what I really would like to do is talk about my church that I grew up in and how I obviously am in the church that I'm now what my personal journey has been, and hopefully tie it all in with how prayer is the central piece through all of it. It's, it's I don't know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, uh, Rich, if you can just go to the next slide. Um, so, so, at the very beginning, okay, I just want to give a very quick church history snapshot, okay, because sometimes, you know, we, it's, it's good to know, and I promise I'll try and not make it boring, but just stay with me, yeah? So, so AD 33, Jesus Christ dies, right? We all know this, yeah? And then, if we, if we read through the book of Acts, uh, we know that uh, Paul, Barnabas, all the disciples, they start, uh, they go to Greece. And from Greece, they go to Syria. Syria is, or Persia, not the Syria we know today, but the wider uh, uh, church that we know. And, and what then happens is, obviously, Jesus Christ dies, uh, the entire region, region, which is literally from England all the way up to Egypt, uh, or Persia is the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah? And Christians are under persecution. And therefore they, f- they go to different towns, different cities, which is why you have churches pop up in Ethiopia, Sudan, uh, Persia, Damascus, uh, all these places, right? And what you find then is, over the next 300 years, up until AD 312, right? This is when the Roman Empire, Constantinople, after 260 years of persecuting Christians, said, enough is enough. I'm going to embrace Christianity as the religion of the Holy Roman Empire. Okay, this is AD 312, okay? And then what happens is, uh, uh, and then shortly after, what then happens is, we have this, this council, which is called the, the, the Council of Nicaea, where all the church leaders at that point, it was AD 320, came together and said, irrespective of which church we are and whichever part of the world, these are the things that we believe in. And some of the things that we believe in is Jesus Christ is divine, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, so on and so forth, right? 
So, so far, there is this nice picture of unity because we were all being persecuted by the Romans and the churches came together and said, this is what we're going to do. But shortly after, the church split. Right? The church split into the Latin church that came into the Roman Catholic church in the West as we know it today. And it split into the Greek Orthodox church. Right? So, from Greece all the way... Because if you look at Israel, Greece is literally on top, and Persia is towards the east. Right? So you have the Greek Orthodox Church that came into being. And from that subset, you have the Russian Orthodox Church, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, you have the Syrian Orthodox Church, and one of those subsets is my church. Right? Which is the Malankara Syrian Orthodox Church. You don't need to know this. It's, it's honestly, you know. The reason I'm saying this, though, is... Um, so, so my church, this is a part of India that is called Kerala, right? So we believe, or at least my church claims, that in AD 52, the Apostle Thomas, himself, he came. And he evangelized and converted Christians. So AD 52, this is literally 18 years after Jesus Christ died, right? I don't think that's the case, <laughs> okay? But it's highly probable that followers of the Apostle Thomas came into India. That much though we know. Because church history, in uh, when I grew up, it basically said in AD 52, the Apostle Thomas came to Kerala, my part of India. So you know South India, it has two states. So he came into one state and 18 years later he was martyred in the other state. Right? So which is why in India, if you look at where the Christians are predominantly there, they are actually... The Okay, And so, uh, I mean, this is not a flex, actually. If you think that 18 years after Jesus Christ died, Christians were in India, that actually means that there were Christians in India before there were Christians in Britain. <laughs> this is not a flex, but like, I think there is, there, is, there, is, there is some truth to it, right? And, and if you look at, I mean, I won't bore you with, there's lots of relics which says that the Syrian Christianity went all the way even up to China in AD 500, right? Obviously, you know, uh, the regimes and the kings or whatever it is that were there, then either embraced it or tried to trample it. And we have, you know, actual history or, you know, all the kings that persecution, whatever, whatever. And it is the church that we have today. So this church history, okay, that's it, hopefully, that I'm going to say. But I think it's good to know that framework because, you know, I think last year I had this question. Okay, so Jesus died in AD 33. What happened after? Right? I know that I've grown up in this church, but I really didn't know what it meant. And it's sometimes good to have that framework because, uh, you know, it helps us sometimes center what we actually believe in. Anyways, so what I'm really trying to say is that I grew up in a church. Uh, I trace back my lineage, great-grandfather. We've always been Christian, Right? There are lots of Christians in India that might say that my father got converted, my great-grandfather got converted, right? But we've always been Christian. And the thing about India is, every time there was a reformation or a change in the West, they send their missionaries to India, right? So you have Roman Catholic missionaries that came to India. You have Protestant missionaries that came to India. You have the Scottish Presbyterians that came to India, you have the Baptists, the Lutherans, the Seventh-day Adventists. Every single uh, denomination has sent their people to India. Right? And so what that really means is 
you find every denomination in there. That's, that, that's a fact. Like, till date, I've not found a single denomination in the world that's actually not there back in India. <laughs> right? And I find that very weird, actually, because we are the minority. We are persecuted in India, right? But we are there. Or rather, Jesus Christ is there. Right? And, and so, so, like I said, I've always grown up in church, right? And what I wanted to really do, just to bring it to life, is to give an example of what my Christmas morning would look like. Okay? You guys have Christmas here, right? Christmas tree, stockings, maybe snow if you're lucky, whatever, whatever. Christmas for me, growing up, we used to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and go to church. <laughs> 3 a.m. in the morning and go to church. And this is not a half an hour church service, right? From 3 in the morning to at least 7, 7.30, we were in church. <laughs> so my wife, Joy, she grew up in a Roman Catholic church, okay? And they were sensible people, right? <laughs> they would only have service at 9 a.m. for like 45 minutes. So when we were getting married, she asked me, why didn't you tell me this? Like, yeah, obviously, right? I'm not going to tell you this. Because... <laughs> Because you see, like, and the reason I'm saying this is because you see, you know, I remember this lineage from Apostle Thomas that my church is trying to claim. And there is this notion that, you know, you have long services and you endure a little because you're very pious. It's not true, but that is one of the main reasons why our church services started very early. Even our Sunday service is at least three hours long, right? I'm not even going to tell you about my Good Friday service. That's literally the full day, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but it is it is brutal, right? And the, and 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 if we, and the way we are taught to pray is, uh, I mean, you guys must be familiar. You have we have like a holy book, which has like a series of prayers. So you'll have the priest, not a pastor like Chris, but you have a priest, a priest in like like just imagine the Pope, you know, this ornamental robe and whatnot. The Pope will say something, the church will say in response. The Pope will say something, the church will say in response. And then someone will sing, someone will say Psalm 23. We'll do the same thing again. Then someone will come and say Psalm 91. We'll do the same thing again. It basically goes like that, right? And the reason why we are so strict, I think in the Orthodox Church is, um, when Jesus Christ is suffering on the cross, if, if you read the passages of Luke, it talks about the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the twelfth hour. And, and, and that is how the church has been structured. In fact, our Good Friday service literally is, goes from the third hour to the twelfth hour. <laughs> right. and, and that is how we've always been. So that is the church, that is the only church I knew growing up. And I was, uh, you know, uh, if you can go to, if you can just go, go to the previous slide, Rich, sorry. So, you know, that is the church that I grew up in, okay? And that church is special because, uh, well, my grandfather helped build that church. So you can understand the roots that I have, right? And that, if you've never seen that picture before, is meant to be Apostle Thomas. Okay, so he is the founding father of our church. And so growing up in this church, I would go because obviously it's a matter of prestige and pride. And honestly, that is the only social thing you do. You go to church on a Sunday. Um, and uh, just, just next slide, Rich, if that's okay. Um, and I remember very clearly, um, I think this is when I was finishing my school, when I was starting to understand, you know, life and people, um, I, 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 think, I think what I, I started understanding, or at least realizing, is that, you know, people were strange. You know, like, there were people that did something in church, and then outside church, they did something completely opposite. You know? And so I remember very clearly, like, standing in, in that church, like, 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 literally, like, you know, there's like this fresco with Jesus Christ, uh, with open arms. I, I remember very clearly... Uh, 
It's probably when I was 16 or 17 years old, just standing in church and asking God, God, this is it. Right, you know? Am I just meant to just come to church on a Sunday, just say all these prayers, say all these songs, and just go back and do whatever I want? Obviously, I didn't have any answer, but it's one of these things that what I think now is like a prompt of the Holy Spirit. Because it's like, this is it. Because I just, I just couldn't understand or reconcile to the fact that is this how I'm meant to worship or know God for the rest of my life? So, so then school ended. I went into university. And university was in Chennai, which is the, the other state that I was telling you about. And in this, church, and, and in this uh, university is where I met a group of friends who were already going to a non-denominational church like this. Um, and, you know, there were a series of things that led me to start going to a non-denominational church and actually finding God and knowing that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But one of the very first things, I remember this very clearly, is uh, obviously, like, I mean, I don't know, 15 years ago, one of the biggest avenues into gospel uh, gospel world was music, right? Um, there, were a few, there were a couple of my friends who, who were musicians, and they introduced me to a few Christian songs. And one of the first songs that they introduced me to, this is probably a bit old, old school, there's, there's this guy called Jeremy Camp. I don't know if you guys know who he is. There's a song called Understand. I'm not going to try and sing it. Maybe sang, Sam, if you know it. Actually, you might be too, too young for it, so leave it. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a song, basically the chorus goes, God, I know that you understand. Therefore, why don't I get back up on my feet again? And I remember very clearly, I heard the song for the first time, and that chorus stuck with me. So I was in my friend's room, and I walked all the way back um, to my room, and I was like, God, you understand? So you're not just God that just, you know, is high up in the clouds, angelic angels around you. You actually understand me for who I am? And I think looking back, that is one of my very first entries, or, you know, the Holy Spirit really piercing through my heart and understanding, you know what? You don't have to have too many processions or rituals. You can come straight to me, right? Jesus said that when he rose again, he tore the veil, Right? Therefore, there is no separation between us and God. As long as we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so then, over the next 15 years, right, I've had this journey where I've tried to understand my faith. I understand my sin. I go through some trials. I go through some suffering. I go away from God. Then God pulls me back. So it's, it's this cycle, right? Um, and and that, is, that is really the person I've become today. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is because, you know, when I started going to a non-denominational church like this, I thought that my church didn't matter at all, or all the prayers that I prayed in my church did not have any meaning. Uh, but, you know, having gone through some life experiences, um, I went back to my traditional church last Christmas, and I went back and I went to the same Sunday service, and I sang the, and I sang the same songs. And I said the same prayers, and I don't know why, but for the first time in my life, I actually understood my traditional prayers. And to be honest, those songs are amazing songs. They're songs of pure devotion, right? The problem is, when I was young, those songs were half in Syrian, half in my native language. So I wouldn't understand it anyways, right? You know, now I've, you know, dabbled in Christian theology a little bit. You know, I like to understand the origin of words, a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of Syrian, a little bit of Greek. So I understand it. And so when I heard that song uh, and a few prayers, I'm like, gosh, this is so moving. You know, like the early church fathers really knew what they were doing, right? 
they were really inspired by god to come up with these rituals and practice it and and the reality is though you know man being man we practice the rituals and forget to do everything else <laughs> right but at the same time uh you know sometimes i know i i crave for spontaneous worship you know i want to go up a hill i want to see the majesty of god and glorify god but then that's all i do right you know i i'm trying to run right now for a marathon yeah half marathon and i realize that i cannot just rock up one day and run right i need to actually run over and over and over for a period of time and and i, I and and I, i think my sense is you know my traditional church they had these rituals for prayer for a reason right anything good in life requires routine right so why would my prayer life not have routine but at the same time if i just stuck to the routine and not try to understand what i was doing or not try to understand who jesus actually is then there is a void and therefore you know a lot of the times i feel a bit confused i feel like what that third world child you know i'm neither here nor there but maybe there's a good reason right because jesus exists the same god we worship right right now uh, in my in my church back in india we are, we are worshiping the same god right but but how we do it and why we do it right i think that is the real essence of what I, at least what jesus has been teaching me and and hopefully i can spend some time uh, just talking through um can you go to the next slide Rich? sorry so um so so this is this is what i'm really trying to emphasize on this is what i'm really hoping to land on i've spoken to you about church history i gave you some history around how we used to pray how we pray now and what i'm really trying to say is you know all of us hopefully have a personal relationship with jesus christ that jesus christ is our lord and savior and we know that he died for us on the cross right and what that then means is even as we go through cycles of life where we sin or we go through some suffering jesus christ is still there and what prayer is meant to do i used to pray god give me this god give me that god give me this but then prayer is not just that right he's not santa claus uh, prayer is also spending time in the presence of god and prayer is also actually as i realize now being able to access the heart of god so 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 i suppose my real real key thing forget if you don't remember anything else okay try and remember the next slide on what i'm trying to say which is what is god's heart what exactly is god's heart now in the gospels jesus christ says many things but only once does he talk about his heart only once and is that next uh, slide uh, rich if you can uh, just just read this with me okay come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart this is what jesus christ is saying yeah jesus christ is not saying i am merciful i i i am a king even though that is what he is jesus christ is saying that i am gentle and lowly in heart i think when i read this it blew my mind away because i go to i go to god like like you know like a subject saying god i'm so sorry god i did it again but jesus is like just come as you are and and sometimes i was like if only i can fix this area in my life i can then go back to god but jesus is like you know what i have come down to your level god became man if you read the book of hebrews it says jesus christ was fully god and fully human 
right? And he was fully tempted in all the ways man is tempted. And therefore, he's sympathetic to us. And that word sympathetic is not like, you know, this cold pity. It's okay, son, don't worry. That's not the word, right? The Greek word for that sympathetic is he is a co-sufferer with us. Right? And I found that very powerful. So when I go through my trials, when I go through my shame, when I go through my sin, Jesus Christ is saying he's actually co-suffering with me. Right? And that is the heart of Jesus. Like I spent many years, like, and this is probably me as a man, right? My ego comes up, no, I'll fix this myself. No, I'm not going to come to God. God, I don't want to show you my weakness. God, I don't want to show you my vulnerabilities. Right? I want to be a man. And Jesus is like, come on, son. You know, let's, 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 let's put the act down. Right? And, and, and this is the bit that I'm really trying to emphasize over and over, right? Uh, because all of us have access to Jesus Christ. And we all have access to Jesus' heart. And his heart is gentle and lowly. So we don't have to go to him with reasons or explanation. Sometimes, you know, the best prayers are we just go to him and not say anything. Right? I mean, one of the things that I've tried to practice ever since I've tried to implement this in my life is sometimes when I'm in pain and I acknowledge that I need God, I try and go to a quiet place and my mind, I just try to focus or imagine I'm sitting at the foot of the cross. Right? I just imagine that I'm sitting at the foot of the cross and I'm, you know, I may be crying, I may be angry, but I just sit there. I ask Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Because Jesus says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Right? And I found that that has really helped. But I did it once, then I forgot about it for two months. Right? And this is where all the rituals and practices and habits come into question. I know that I have to do it on a continual basis. Right? I'm never going to be perfect. I'm always going to fall in sin till the day I die and find Jesus in heaven. Right? But Jesus says, rather than, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's my analytical mind, right? I sometimes, if I had to take an average, I'll probably take a week and a half or three weeks to come to Jesus. Jesus says, you fall in sin, come right away. You feel bad, you feel angry, come right away. Don't wait. Because his heart is gentle and lowly. And we have access to it anytime we want. And there are two examples from the Bible as well that I would like to quickly cover that emphasizes this. Okay? In the Old Testament, you have the story of Cain and Abel. Right? Cain murders Abel, right? And God curses Cain. And Cain says, oh, I take your curse, right? I wish someone would kill me. And the Bible says, he goes away from the presence of God. He goes away from the presence of God. And, and I find that most of the time I'm like this, right? I don't want to deal with my sin. I don't want to deal with my pain. I go and do something else. I'll go and work till two in the morning, right? And what then happens is, I'll go and indulge in more gluttony. That is one of my favorite sins, yeah? I'll go and eat some randomness simply because I'm in pain, right? So rather than going back and dealing with my sin, I've, all I've done is gone through the cycle of going and doing more sin, right? And I've basically gone away from the presence of God. But the good thing is the Bible also gives a very good example of what it is to come to the presence of God. And this is found in Psalm 51, which is King David. And to just give a little bit of... Uh, context again because context is very important so david he um, you guys might know the story he committed adultery 
with Bathsheba, right? And this is not just like a grievous act, right? An act of adultery or a crime of passion. He not only did that, but he also made sure that Bathsheba's husband was sent to war in front of the line so that he gets killed. So think about it. David not only committed a crime of passion, he also calculated and made sure this person died. Right? And so he basically, the Bible, Second Samuel says, he grieved. He made God very sad. God then sent his prophet Nathan to confront him. And Nathan confronted him. It's a beautiful story, the way he does it. But David, he hears this, and David is a king, right? He's a mighty king, mighty or mightiest of all the earth, right? He could have just said, I don't have time to deal with this. He could have thrown him in, in, in jail. But the Bible says, David went, he acknowledged everything Nathan said. He went and wept. He went and cried over and over for three days. And on the back of that, he wrote the psalm, Psalm 51, just next, last slide, which is, in my view, the best psalm you can ever read. Because he basically says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your mercy, according to your steadfast love. He's not saying have mercy because I am good. He's saying have mercy because of your love. And he says, I know my transgressions. He acknowledges everything that he has done. Right? And having acknowledged everything he has done, he then says, Lord, create a new heart within me. Create the right spirit within me. He does that. And because God says, God, God heard him and spared his life. is basically what Second uh, Samuel says. Right? And, and so, if there's anything I can try and impart, or at least this is what I'm trying to do, when I fall, and I fall regularly, I try and adopt this posture by David. I go to the foot of the cross and say, God, I know what I've done. I fully acknowledge. Against you and only you have I done wrong, and therefore you are blameless in judgment. And therefore, if you want to take my life, you are blameless in judgment, because I know that I have done you wrong. But if you choose to spare me, O Lord, create a new heart within me. Create a right spirit within me so that I may praise you, so that I may worship you. Right? And it'll all go well for a few days and I fall again. (laughs) But then Jesus says, son, don't worry, just come. Come as you are. Come as you are. I think that is what I'm trying to uh, leave today. Like Sam sang today, one day may we realize God's love for us. And I pray that day is today. Thank you. Thank you, Rush. Isn't that great, hearing about the history of the Indian church, South Indian church and everything as well? Really appreciate that. I just want to ask Rosh if he can pray for us. What I feel, um, one of the things I love about Rosh is I feel like he, he gets, he gets the, the heart of the gospel and, uh, the grace and the generosity of God. And, um, and I'd love it if you would just pray for us as a church now that we receive, I mean, I think we probably have through, through what you've been teaching. But, um, but let's, um, yeah, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and, uh, he comes as we, as we are in the Word and as we're in worship. Um, but also going to just ask again now, Holy Spirit, we have this moment of prayer now, and uh, I want to ask you to um, soak into us, into the, the fabric of who we are, into our hearts, our spirits, our minds, what Rosh has, has taught us this morning. 
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time again. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us all here to simply glorify you. And therefore, Lord, in everything we do, no matter what we're going through, no matter what trial, tribulation, suffering we're going through, thank you, Lord, that we have an open invitation to come to you as we are. In our brokenness, uh, you are real. Help us stand on the reality of the cross, the reality of who you are. Lord, you are gentle and lowly in heart. And you have made yourself accessible. You have made, you have humbled yourself for our sake. And we don't deserve it. And despite what we are going through, help us be reminded that Jesus' love is not reckless. It's relentless. He pursues us with a father heart. He pursues us simply because he loves us. Therefore, we love him because he loved us first. Therefore, Lord, what, no matter what we're going through, I pray, Lord, that you give us the grace to just stand on this reality. And when we fall, help us to go back and stand again. In your most precious name, I pray. Amen. And just two other things to pray. I'd like to pray for um, our prayer lives and our um, sort of rhythms like Rosh talked about and, uh, and our places of prayer. Lord, we ask for your, for your grace and your help in, in that. Help us to um, establish and grow healthy and uh, intimate and rich times of prayer. And also want to pray um, that we can carry this message um, to people who don't yet know you outside the church. Pray that we can be carriers of um, that message of grace, of um, that, that Jesus is, is, the, is, the, um, is the one that says, come to me or you who are weary and heavy burdened and I'll give you rest because I'm gentle. So Lord, we want, just as we know that ourselves and, and growing knowing that more, help us to be uh, communicators of that with other people as well. With our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, people we're at school with, at work with, wherever. May we be ministers of servants, of carriers of that good news and that grace. May it be lived out in our bodies in the way we relate to people and each other. Thank you. Amen.